White Sox fans, welcome in to season six of Socks on Tap. It's Johnny Nani alongside Tony Marchese and NWI Steve. Boys, happy spring training. Happy spring training, Mr. Jonathan. It's uh, good to see you back here. Hashtag back, confirmed. Hey, yo, boys. Yeah, Jonathan, we've we've missed you over these last couple of months here. Obviously, you've been on four feathers duty hot and heavy here. So it's it's great to have the gang back together, so to speak, here. Um, listen, I'm just excited season six premiere i'm ready to you know put all this off-season training and everything i put in here to have the best season we possibly can are you in the best shape of your life is the real question i don't know that i'm willing to go that far yet um you know we've still got a little bit of time here until the season actually kicks off so you know we could still make some last minute tweaks around the edges here to kind of get to that point. Okay. All right. Well, the White Sox seem to be in the best shape of their lives. We'll talk. Pitchers and catchers have already reported. Uh, I've got a few news and notes coming out of that. Uh, We've got Fanatics jersey disaster. Um, I want to really get into that since I am a uniform nerd, confirmed. Um, We've got some new faces coming in on non-roster invites. Uh, A little bit of a stadium update and full squad is coming in this week on Monday. Before we get into any of that, go over to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Give us a follow on the socials at ontapsportsnet at SoxOnTap. Uh, go and subscribe on YouTube. Join the comment section. Uh, we enjoy having you here. Like our guy Kirk says, crack them, fellas. Hell yeah. A little Sunday fun day action here at Sox on Tap to kick off season six. Guys, pitchers, catchers, reporting. Feels like baseball season. That it does, Jonathan. That it does. I'm... Uh... I'm going to be honest with you guys. It, it, this was the least anticipated I was for, for spring training. Um, it just sort of snuck up on the calendar and we're here. Uh, I don't know if my level of excitement is going to go up or down uh, as the full squad gets here, but there's, I, I saw that we've got like a record number of guys attending camp this year. And that's, that's gotta be probably a bad thing. I, I'm curious what your guys thoughts are on it. You know, I think, Anthony, the sheer volume of people that are showing up to camp, I think I saw the number was at 70. And I feel like there was a couple of beat reporters that said that's the largest camp that they have ever seen on record for the Sox. Um, I think that's just a byproduct simply of a team that is in disrepair, for lack of a better term, and ones that kind of has players fighting for their lives. That's something we've heard all winter from a lot of these veteran guys coming in here and some of these other non-roster invites. It's guys are fighting for their jobs as if their big league lives depend on it. So, you know, we'll see how Mr. Clean, you know, shuffles the deck around here as uh, we start games. I mean, listen, we're five days away from Cactus League play. Everybody knows you have to go out there and you have to hashtag set the fucking tone, Okay. First one of the season. There I it love, is. I love it. And guys, I, I actually do enjoy the start of spring training games for that reason. Like Steve said, set the tone. Very, very important. We all know uh, what happens when you don't set the tone. You saw the results of that on the field over the last two seasons um, in 22, 23. Um, but we got a lot of new faces, as you guys mentioned, with the record number of guys in camp. I believe it's, you said, 70 total. 30 non-roster invites. And then there's also portion in uh, minor league camp too, right? Like uh, someone like Noah Schultz, so to say, uh, is not even with this big league group um, right now. But let's talk about some of these new faces because few last minute additions, Corey Knable, Dominic Leone, non-roster invites. Now we'll get to one later uh, on the position side that Chris Getz said, thought was a good idea. We'll, we'll save that though. I actually think Corey Knable is a good idea. Your guys' thoughts. I'm a big proponent of the Corey Knable signing. These are the types of moves that a team in the Sox position should be making. We harped for several years about the resource allocation 
going so heavily invested into the bullpen for a team that isn't going to win anything this year. Again, I'm not breaking any news here. This team's not going to be good. So go out there, sign some guys on the scrap heap, sign some guys that need to rebuild themselves. That's why Brian Bannister is here, my guy, to come in here and to fix these guys. And who knows, maybe you can flip some of them the way they did like Keenan Middleton a year ago and just continue to amass a little bit of prospect talent and some capital in here. Maybe one of those guys turns into a you know bench player or a middle relief player down the road when this team theoretically is good again. You're not going to get much of high value for it but maybe it turns into something. Yeah, Steve said it best right there, man. I mean, um, I would argue, as our, our guy Voodoo said in the comments, that might be your best offseason signing. Uh, 3.43 ERA last season. Uh, he was a tick off in terms of K per nine. I think it was his lowest of his career in 8.3. Um, still can, you know, produce swing and miss stuff. And, you know, there's not much at the back end of this bullpen outside of our guy, Brian Shaw, who got just got brought back. I have to mention Brian yes. Shaw very early. That guy's a warrior. We respect him here. Number two athlete in Chicago. That's not up for debate. But Corey Knable is, is definitely going to be a bullpen piece for this team. I would expect him to make this roster. And, and last season, I think he threw in 46 games. Yeah, 46 games. 2022, um, right? Cause yeah, 2022. Yeah, he was injury knocked out yes. 23, yeah. So 46 games, that was – almost near a career high except for 2017 when he appeared in 76. So he's still got some workhorse stuff in him. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if he uh, fully recovers from all of this and, and returns to form. But uh, this is a high upside, uh, low risk type move right here from, from Chris Gatz. Yep. Um, and his last two teams too, right? He played with the Dodgers and then with the Phillies and he was used pretty heavily uh, for both of those clubs. So it tells you what they thought of him. Um, and when he's right, looks like he could be viable bullpen piece. And that to me screams uh, flip at the trade deadline and get a little something back. Steve, like you always say, uh, you can't win the lottery unless you play. So start taking these tickets, right? I mean, the great Hawk Harrelson is the one who ultimately coined that phrase. You can't win if you don't play a stone pony. Yeah. Right. So that's where we're at with Dominic Leone, uh, Corey Knabel there. Um, all right. few other notes uh, from uh, specific names here. Uh, Garrett Crochet striving to be a starter. I know there was some smoke around this uh, last year, and, and even though it was a very abbreviated season for him and his comeback from Tommy John and whatnot, um, he had expressed his desire to. Um, guys, I, I know it when it, that all happened initially, People were very down on the team just with, with the state of the way things were and said, oh, no chances, you know, whatever. Is it ever going to work? If there's ever a time to do it, I feel like this is the right time. That's a little different approach than what I was thinking here, Johnny. And then one of the reasons why I'm a little, I guess, adverse to this idea is we've flopped these guys back and forth. And we've traditionally seen guys like Michael Kopech, um, even Chris Sale at a, at a certain point in time. I know this is a different regime. Uh, that's working on this, but it's actually the same regime. If you didn't know, because it's Chris Gatz, um, has they've sort of messed with guys a little too much. I'm not sure if Garrett Crochet is going to have the longevity. Um, you've seen him get into trouble uh, just even making it through one inning. You're you're just a, a what is this now a year removed um, from the Tommy John surgery. I guess that there, there's really nothing to lose, so it's whatever at this point. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like he, if you were going to use him as a starter, 
you shouldn't have called him up when you did and blown his arm out in the bullpen and just let him work through uh, a full season, two full seasons down in the minors, and then brought him up as a starting pitcher. I, I don't know why the White Sox continue to do this messing around with guys is they, they can't even identify if someone's a starter or a reliever. So I don't know. It's just it, this one makes me a little bit nervous that we're going to have some real growing pains with Garrett Crochet. We're going to derail this guy's career. Um, just, I'm just very, very hesitant to say, let's go throw him right into a starting rotation. Steve, any thoughts? Do you want the answer as to why this happened? Why the White Sox rushed him into the bullpen in 2020? Just sure, Steve. You, might as you well. want the answer? Because <laughs> yeah, I'll give fine. it to you. Sure. Because nothing is more the White Sox way than selecting guys out of need because you don't fill out the major league roster appropriately. That's the White Sox way right there. So from my perspective, I just don't see a way that Garrett Crochet is going to be able to transition into a starting role consistently here. Um, he has not been a full-time starter, you know, since he was, I think maybe it was his freshman year at the university of Tennessee. And that was in, you know, 2018. So we're a long time. Six removed. years removed. Yeah. So that's a long time here. He has even less of a, of an innings base built up than Michael Kopech does at the major league level. And that's one of the biggest concerns that we have always expressed about Michael Kopech on this show here. And if you have a guy that's got even less volume than Kopech had under his belt, I just don't see how that is something that is ultimately going to work long-term. You can have these delusions of grandeur all you want, and that's fine. And Garrett Crochet as an athlete, as a competitor, I'm sure he wants to be a starter. And I respect that, but I just don't see it happening. Well, Jimenez also wants to be an outfielder. <laughs> I um, I just had to bring that up. And Steve, that last point, I got to piggyback off of that because this all came together because I think he's very headstrong about it. He wants to do this. And this is something that he had conversations with both Chris Getz and Brian Bannister um, about. And we'll get to more on the Bannister bots in a little bit. Steve, I know you're chomping at the bit after I mentioned that name. Um, but I just had to bring that up because that is a storyline. And it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, is it mean Birmingham? Does it mean Charlotte? for the start and for me the reason why i say if there's any time to do it now is it because you have those back end options in the rotation in terms of chris flexen and eric fetty and uh, michael soroka right that you know obviously you're depending on some health from mike soroka there but um it's not like you know it'd be very white Sox thing to like jam them into a starting rotation in the big league club right away i don't think they're gonna go that far for the start of this season here but that's just my reasoning behind if you're gonna do it at any time i'm actually not too miffed at this decision. i don't know if it'll work out but here's the other thing that they could really do is you know if they if they give this a shot you send him down to charlotte and you keep him down there long enough that you fuck with the service time. Let's just say it. Let's just say the quiet part out loud. You send them down there enough. You get back another year of control on them. And then when you bring them back up, you know, you see what happens from there. Um, if I, the idea of him starting games in Chicago, as bad as this thing is going to be this season, to me, that just doesn't make sense. So maybe that's the one positive side that could come from this is if he does get stretched out again, I don't think his long-term path is going to be as a starter. Maybe that allows him to be more of a multi-inning swing man, maybe. And, and then, you know, Hey, who knows? You could potentially get another year of 
control under him when this thing theoretically maybe matters again in 2027 for that fluke I mean, playoff year. You have enough 4A starters on this roster that you're not going to need Garrett Crochet to throw exactly. a, a first pitch in the White Sox rotation for, for a little bit. Um, they're set up at least at this point. I know Griffol was talking about they do want to keep it to a five-man rotation, maybe six um, at, at certain points. But, Johnny, Steve and I were talking on, on the last episode about, you know, what's the over-under on how many different names start ball games for the Chicago White Sox this season? I'm setting it at 11 and a half right that, here. I, I think I think I'm taking the over. I don't know about you. You probably hit the nail on the head. I would probably put it around there. I mean, it depends on health, too. It really does. Because while Chris Flexen is not a sexy option by any means, if he stays healthy, he's probably going to take the ball every fifth day, right? That's... You know, it's just the way that this is built um, from your offseason signings. Eric Fetty, I don't believe he's had too many injury issues, at least in his stint as the uh, um, KBO uh, Cy Young. Right. So that's another one there. Michael Kopech, that's another question. We'll see if the health situation holds up on his end this year. But um, Dylan Cease, as long as he's here, but we'll get into him a little bit more in his whole situation in a bit. Um, but he's also been pretty durable, I'll say, for, throughout his career in terms of injury-wise. So um, that could bring mine and maybe more inclined to be on the under for set and 11. But, yeah, sounds about right. I think it's a good line for it. Yeah, I mean, that is a really, really tough line. I mean, Anthony, you went full-on big, better guy. Putting it at that eleven point five. Just doing right my there. job. Just doing my job. Yeah, um, I might have to consult on tap bets on, on this to figure out which side of the line I, I want to go on. Our man, uh, the Besnick, socks insane. He's a big better guy. I'm sure he would uh, have some some tips for you here, Stephen. Okay, well then I will have to uh, run that by him. All right. Um, as we move on with pitchers and catchers here, one of those names that maybe, you know, you talk about quality starters on this roster. Um, I think maybe you could grow past that, but uh, Davis Martin, uh, kind of the only injury update we have so far, obviously uh, missed most of last year with the Tommy John surgery. He is targeting mid July return. So uh, throw him as a potential uh, number in that mix for the second half of the season. Uh, as we look to see how many uh, arms start games for this white Sox team. All right. Guy who's working with all, of these pitchers, Steve, is your guy, Brian Bannister. You are a confirmed Bannister bot. So from what you've seen, the interactions and in quotes coming out of here uh, that intrigue you regarding the Sox new pitching guru. You know, I, I saw some quotes from Michael Kopech talking about his, um, you know, hip rotation and some of his mechanical things getting out of line, so to speak, and him focusing a little too much on constantly staying on top of the baseball when he naturally has a very high spin um, riding fastball here. So, you know, just Bannister kind of talking about the fact that with his natural arm action here, he doesn't have to focus as much on trying to stay on top of the baseball all the time and, you know, doing some things with his lower half to try to create more consistency and improve that control and command. Um, that's really going to be one of the biggest storylines for me of this spring here is watching my guy, Brian Bannister in Bannister. We trust and, and what he's going to do with players like Michael Kopech that, you know, as I wrote about uh, in the very early parts of the offseason, he's at a little bit of a career crossroads right here. So how he's able to work under Bannister's direction here and maybe some of the new principles that uh, my guy is bringing into the fold here. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And then you look at, you know, a guy like Mike Soroka, former all-star. So there, there's enough guys 
in this mix here right now that if Bannister is able to find the right ingredients with them, could turn them around to be at least functional in, in a major league rotation. So that's going to be fascinating to see unfold. Yep. Uh, Bannister bots, get spots going at it at all? I mean, listen, you know, the, 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 the gets bots, you. I, you know, listen, I, I, I think, you know, I see a lot of, you know, he gets us, you know, going around here on, on Twitter.com. I'm just saying us banister bots, you know, we're just kind of laying low in the weeds. We're just waiting to strike. We're not out there out front where everybody can see us, but you'll know when we're there. Are banister bots also uh, cat spots? Are they one in the same, Steve? You know, I, I, I think I think the cat spots are kind of a a subsect of the banister bots, so to speak. Well, one was the original Listen, I've in been, Chicago, so I, I'm just I curious. Mean, I mean, I've been a banister bot hashtag confirmed since 2019. Okay. And, and listen, Voodoo, no, 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 no. We're not starting this nonsense already here, okay? Just because it's the season premiere doesn't mean you can come in here spouting off your nonsense like you always do. No, no, we're not starting this bullshit about Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Mr. Not Clean. having it. Yeah, for no. those on the audio side, uh, it, it's been hashtag confirmed in the comments that Steve is a Pedro Banny stan. Yeah. I'm a banister bot. That is yeah, hashtag confirmed. <laughs> All right, uh, guys, last uh, specific name I want to mention from pitchers, catchers here. Uh, Dylan Cease, trade situation. Uh, Steve, an injury happened out in uh, Baltimore where they're trained down in Florida. Um, could this affect Dylan Cease trade market here? You know, Baltimore was always the one team that I feel like most people said made sense for Dylan Cease. And, you know, he did an interview, I think it was with our Chuck. Uh, for the corporate podcast and kind of basically said that he's expecting to get traded at some point that he was almost kind of surprised it didn't happen over the winter here. So he seems to be of the mindset that his time in Chicago is done here and injuries happen in spring training. You look at in, in Baltimore with what's going on with John means over there. Um, and, you know, they had an, um, another starter there with a forearm strain issue so they're down potential two starters right there. And that's a team that has serious, viable World Series aspirations. And they are in the heart of their competitive window. Jonathan, as you like to always say, quit being fucking prospect huggers, Mike Elias. Yeah. Get off, get on the fucking phone here and try to win the yeah. fucking World Series now well, while you can. Right. Well, I like looked at last year and I was like, you know, sure, it's like still like early in that w window, so to say. But how would that series against Texas played out differently instead of getting friggin swept in three games? If you had someone like Dylan Cease at the top, I think so. But what do I know? You go I, I, enjoy your prospects, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely do. And look, at the end of the day, for that team, they won, what, 102 games a year ago, had the best record in the American League. They got embarrassed. Let's just call it what it was. Yeah, it was. It they was, got embarrassed. Really. Okay, I know the Texas Rangers went on to win the World Series, but that group there should look at what happened in those three games there. Making the playoffs finally after all that they went through as an organization, all the turnover there, Michael Elias coming in there, having those down years as bad as they were, and then getting to that point, and then just getting your fucking dick kicked in in three games like that, that should be all the inspiration and motivation that you need to go out there and stack the deck as much as you can so that you prevent that from happening again here in the year of our Lord 2024.
We'll have to see. It depends on if they do continue to hoard said prospects, if it uh, is end up Baltimore uh, being a potential target. I know you had brought up a few other names, you know, of contending teams, uh, uh, Texas, another team that they just played that we talked about, um, you know, Dodgers. They're always looking to add, uh, especially if they have an injury um, along their staff. Arizona's one that, that I got voodoo mentions here uh, is like, like in Jordan Lawler. I believe we brought that up even last year, yeah. trade deadline wise, right? But uh, who knows? Maybe that connection, uh, the Barfield, the Barfield bots too, um, get them in on the action uh see if there is something to be done uh with the arizona dimebacks we'll see i guess the question going around because pedro Grafol already named him chris gets now expects him at least as of last week right um will bill and cease be the Sox opening day starter i still don't see a world where that happens just in you know thinking from a baseball standpoint the smart thing to do would be to unload him before opening day, um, his value is not going to be higher unless he's healthy and he's outperformed what he's done uh, last season uh, into this season, because last year was a bit of a down year. You've already heard the price point is the sun and the moon. Um, it's going to be really hard for Getz to get an acceptable deal if Dylan sees A goes out, gets injured at any point in time this season, B struggles out of the gate. Uh, for any reason. Now that's a lot of trust in Brian Bannister to make sure that, uh, you know, that doesn't happen, Stephen, looking at you. Um, but I just in don't, Bannister we trust. I just don't foresee a, a, a situation as a White Sox fan going into this because we're scarred. I don't see a situation that this winds up good. If he is throwing five, 10, 12 starts into the season before you move him. Um, it's just it would be wise to move him now if you possibly can. Now, I don't know if if the price that's been reported as the sun and the moon is too high for other teams. And if, if Getz needs to come down a little bit to concede and he's not willing to do so, if that's what the holdup is here. But there's definitely um, some urgency, I would think, in the White Sox camp to move this guy prior to opening day, despite what they've said. I would think that there's some urgency. And I feel like they do understand that. I think it's just Chris gets in a sense, trying to play hardball here. Yeah. This is going to be his first really significant transaction that he's made. So he wants to, dare I say, come out and hashtag set the tone <laughs> for it is. Number his, two. his GM tenure here. So I get it. Again, I think at the end of the day, all it takes is one contending team having an important member of their starting rotation go down and compromise them even more. We've seen it already with Baltimore. We are only a couple of days into pitchers and catchers here. Starting pitching injuries happen all the time during the spring. So not that we're sitting here hoping for injuries. They just are, they're a fact of life when it comes to this game that, uh, that they play. So, We'll see how things kind of unfold here. And I was telling Anthony this when we were talking the other day. Remember two years ago when all the talk was about this team has to trade Craig Kimbrell going into the 2022 season here. They, they you know, there's so much money on the books. You got to get him out of here. Obviously, the dynamics of him setting up and, and Liam, it didn't work, you know, all this. And he got traded two days before the season. Yeah. So we do still have time. So let's see how this all plays right. out. Right. And then one other factor that I think is at play here is that some of the big arms have not signed yet. 
Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, right? Uh, there's even some other depth pitchers. Uh, White Sox last year, Mike Clevenger is out there as well. Um, but you get to a point maybe after some of those finally do come to fruition, if Boris ever wants to stop or, you know, gets through with his uh, level of hardball, right? Um, teams that miss out on those guys, right? They may be looking to add then. And if it just costs the prospects, you know, you're, then you have that extra year of control and you're not dipping into a season of it. You get that full year here in 2024. Um, that's another factor that, that I'll be keeping tabs on. But kind of weird, no movement on those guys, even like reports of teams offering and whatnot. I think that's a more special right there. I don't necessarily think it's as weird as people are making it out to be because I think if you look at the two most high profile guys there, Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger. These are two flawed players, you know. Um, what do I talk about? Well, every guys that Cubs on tap that, Steve. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'll go into that in a second here. You know, that's fine if they want to. You know, think everything's all rainbows and lollipops. That's fine. Um, you know, season premiere. So, guys, let me ask the question here. Let's just get it out of the shoot right now. How many outs do I need every night? Jonathan, twenty-seven. How many else do I need for my starting pitchers? Minimal. Yeah, I would I would love uh 21. That'd be great, but 18 is the rule. 18, Eight, 18 is my 18 is my bare minimum. Blake Snell. 27 is cool and tough, Johnny, though. 27 is damn cool and tough. Blake Snell, six times last year, got 18 outs. And this yeah. guy wants 30 plus million dollars. Not in my baseball world. You're not getting 30 fucking million dollars if you can't give me at least 20 outs. Not fucking happening. So there's a big problem right there. And then as it relates I'm to... I'm sure Jerry tells the free agents that too. Well, that's that's neither here nor there. And as it relates to Cody Bellinger, look, he had a, he had a strong year last year. The numbers looked good. There are some concerns about some of the batted ball data. And let's not forget, he is just 12 months removed from back-to-back seasons of being the worst offensive player in the sport. So for... A team that wants to go out there and, you know, risk $200 million on the guy that had back-to-back years of being the worst offensive player in the sport with some questionable batted ball data, have at it. Go for it. Cool. Not my money. Well, let's see. Um, see as it goes on, we're February 18th here. So, um, obviously, a little over a month until the actual opening day. And there has been late signings, late trades. So, uh, we'll keep posted on the Dylan Cease front as that um, gets any more clarity. All right. New face round, guys. Um, Chris Getz said this is a good idea to bring Mike Moustakis into White Sox spring training. It's a minor league deal. Uh, it's a non-roster invite. But I think the explanation behind it just it was a head-scratcher. And it was basically a confirmation of all the Royals jokes that you've seen a million times run uh, from various accounts uh, on the social medias and basically confirmed it and said it was a good idea and his whole reasoning behind it. I, I just, this is why we were so concerned about the Sox staying internal and then the modeling after the Royals, right? That's why this got so much flack. And I have another example of it because he got the opportunity because of championship pedigree, uh, to, you know, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, I guess. Um, and he's familiar with guts, and that's literally it. That's why he's here. Thoughts? I'm just as puzzled as you, but uh, you're right. I mean, this sort of confirms all the fears that uh, people had. Um, I don't know where you draw the line on this one because this opens the door for many more of these as former Royals fall off the uh, 
the table on contracts and, you know, need a place to go warm up in spring training and potentially make a roster. It feels like this is just an open invite. If you have uh, Royals ties, you can come to White Sox spring training. It's, it's your, it's your personal playground. You can do whatever you want. Are we moving um, to surprise Arizona for spring training now? <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> home, home of the White Sox Royals. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating, but at the same time, like there's nothing we can do to stop it. This is going to be the theme going forward that you've already made too many ties back to the Royals organization uh, at this, at this point for it not to be a narrative going forward because it's there, it's in your face. And if they tell you, because there's another side to this, no, this has nothing to do with the Royals tie. That's just like gaslighting the fan even further. It's, it's, Man, it's it's so frustrating to watch. To me, it's really just a big nothing burger, honestly. Um, I I struggle to see how he makes this roster unless Chris Getz is just building in the eventual Yoan Mankata late spring training injury and needing to have somebody at third base there. If you're listening, good family point. man Matt, family man Matt Crawford, I apologize. Please accept my apologies here. I'm just saying maybe that's what gets his thinking here. Yep. It could be. It could be a factor playing in here. My question, though, we talked a little bit about it pre-show, but does it challenge Gavin Sheets for White Sox lefty bench bat role? That's kind of where I'm looking at. If they're, if they're I don't know if we'll make the roster. I don't know. We haven't even begun uh, the actual full squad workouts here yet, but. Is this potential, uh, you know, case for Tony, your son, to getting bumped out? Yeah, Anthony, what have you done to help your son this winter? I don't mean, I don't know. He's he's been focused on his golf game, so I'm not sure. You know, it's it's just we've been staying away from fly balls in the outfield, sort of relaxing this winter. It, it hasn't been too intense. You know, we want to make sure that uh, we go into the into camp, you know, healthy, you know, clear mind, clear head, but. I do think he could potentially challenge Gavin Sheets. Let's be honest. It was a, it was a terrible year for Gavin Sheets last year compared to uh, the prior season. And, um, you know, the, you've got Dominic Fletcher coming in to play right field. I'm, I'm sure that that's going to box out a little bit of Gavin playing time. Um, the only way I really see Gavin in, in the plans here is if you're platooning him with Andrew Vaughn, who's also not great. Um, at first base. So I don't know. That's just Johnny. You got, you bring up a good point. He could be a bench bat for the white Sox If Gavin finds himself either traded or back in Charlotte. Yeah. I think that's one important thing to remember here is that Gavin does still have an option. So depending on however they want to configure this roster with what Mr. Clean wants to do um, when this thing leaves camp, on March 26th or so, whenever about that will be. Um, they do have that flexibility. And we all know that the White Sox love roster flexibility. Right. Yep. Another kind of scenario there for, you know, fourth outfield, you're looking at Kevin Pilar, right? Um, that, that's another, you know, just kind of of that ilk uh, of non-roster invite that we look at. So we'll see how that plays out uh, as uh, full squad reports on Monday. But guys, the, 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 they look a little bit different this year, right? And I'm not talking about new faces in camp. I'm talking about the jerseys they're wearing, the Fanatics absolute debacle uh, on these jerseys. Guys, some just notes that I had. It's a terrible cluttered design. They moved the MLB logo back, used to be kind of on the top, 
you know, towards the collar there. Now they moved it below where that piping would be, even though the Sox don't have, you know, piping on theirs, but you go and see on other teams' jerseys that have it. Um, and then that brings the last name down and into kind of like blending into the numbers. Like you said, I believe back of Justin Verlanders, that's not even by MLB standards compared to some names that you can get out there. That's not even excessively long. And that was already crunched there looking like it was already on top of the numbers. Uh, another thing that gets me no stitching on these, which I understand for a performance Jersey um, or just a practice warm-up Jersey, a batting practice sort of thing. I get that, but a Jersey should have stitching. And I've seen accounts post out there that when they're going to order a new MLB jersey from an official shop that's run by Fanatics, there's you're paying the same price, 170, 175 bucks, but there's no stitching. It's all press printed on. Um, this is brutal, and I am longing for the majestic days. Uh, Jonathan, if you're finding an authentic one of these things for $170, you need to get on that because I don't know if you the, saw. Excuse me, it's the replica. The you know the replica that you know it's not officially authentic. So the, I saw some stuff going around on, on the interwebs earlier today that these authentic jerseys are going for like $430. Okay, that's the yeah the full-blown authentic. So this is a Mariners fan buying a replica. And is there still no stitching on the full-blown authentic for $430? That's, that's a good question. I have not yeah. seen that. Oh, I, no. I have not seen that one. I, did yeah, I, I, I can't answer that question. Now, look, thankfully I have uh, not procured a, a new jersey in over a decade at this point. And I, I would say for me, it's a very good thing that I'm out of that game right there. But, um, you know, as uh, one of our commenters in here, Voodoo, said, these this design and the way that these things all look makes the Chinese knockoff DH gate ones look better yeah, than what these players are wearing on the field right now. It's I've, got a, I've got a DH gate one that looks inf infinitely better than what Michael Kopech and all the guys were sporting uh, over this past week at uh, Glendale. Yeah. So these are not just spring training jerseys with these arcs. This is the act what we're actually going to go into the season with. There's still time. And there is still time. There's still time to fix this. There's but I, I fucking hate I, the look of an arced name on the back of yeah. a jersey. It should be straight across. It's it's that, one thing if, easy it, to do. It's one thing if you have Encarnacion Strand, right? You Jared Saltalamaki. Isaiah Kiner Falefa. You expect yeah, that, that one to be long, though. That's already a given, even on the old setup of these. But when you're crunching all of that, like I said, where Verlander has to be crunched right up against the three on one side and the five on the other, that's just like, what are we doing? It's a very, in terms of design, very mismanagement of uh, space. It's interesting because you've seen some some pretty diverse player reactions to this at, at this point. Um, <laughs> says sauces World Series badges will be drawn on with Sharpies. Yeah. Uh, well, mass fanatics. Uh, I'm not sure how to follow that, but I'll try my best here. Um, you've seen some interesting player reactions to this. Mike Trout yeah, people saying that he liked these. Who, and, who and then, yeah, who who pay, paid him to put out an endorsement for it, or is someone holding a weapon to him to his person while he tweets that? Tremendous, tremendous question. But and then, and then you've got you know a number of other players that are basically saying how cheap that they look. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, as when uh, when Tony Clark, um, you know, the Mickey Mouse head of the MLBPA, <laughs> is making his visits to various clubs during spring training here, if that is something that is brought to his attention and if they try to put pressure on him to 
find some way to get these things fixed because there's been definitely more negative backlash from the players than there has been positive from what I have seen. One thing that doesn't really affect fans too much, but when you're looking at um, some of those specific complaints, like you had said about certain players uh, taking issue uh, with the whole new setup there is that um, apparently customization of the pants has been um, reduced in that category. So they can't get them to the exact fit uh, that they may have in the past. And that would be incredibly frustrating, especially, I mean, I think of, you know, just any position that you use legs a lot. I'm sure catchers have a very specific preference for how they want their pants. There, guys who steal a lot of bases. Do you, do you want that, you know, longer do you want to be able to pull it up and you know wear the leggings and the socks underneath it like i feel like that's a big deal that's maybe not getting as much attention as it should because ultimately they're the ones that got to go out and play in them we can sit here and say how shitty they look visually but if the comfort is off on that then you, you could legitimately talking about affecting performance i'm gonna ask the twenty-seven thousand dollar question here has anybody asked chris sale about this yet because I should. haven't seen anything. We, they should. We, we need Maybe he likes them. Who knows? Maybe might like them just like he was, Trout. He, he was at least already wearing them. I did see a quick video of him throwing with Braves is, Camp. Is his name arced too? Sale? Like one yeah. letter in each, you know, part of the arc? I mean, it might come sail away. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. I The, the whole fanatics thing, and this isn't just a baseball problem. Johnny, you know this from the, from the hockey side as well. These the fanatics must be stopped. I don't know how we're going to stop them, but they must be stopped because they're ruining sports jerseys left and right across multiple different leagues. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Um, up next, uh, talking stadium in terms of new things here. Uh, what's the latest on the stadium front, Stephen? Um, you've given us a nice rundown of what the initial proceedings meant, um, but we've got news from the Jerry Reinsdorf front here. What's going on? Jerry Reinsdorf, apparently, according to Crane's Chicago Business, is confident that he is going to be able to get a $1 billion subsidy from the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois. Now, there's a lot of kind of reshuffling of some of the deck a, a little bit here, taking you know funds and some of the debt on Soldier's Field and, and that abomination right there. Um, and basically kind of tying it and, and extending out some of the bond dates there with the new stadium. Um, but again, at the end of the day, he's confident that he's going to be able to get this billion-dollar subsidy needed to build Jerry World over there at the corner of you know um, Clark and Roosevelt down in the South Loop there. I've had somebody kind of tell me recently that and we've talked about this, Anthony and I, a couple of times on the show here over the course of the last month or so as this has all come down. There's only been one man in the last century to be able to get two stadiums built in the city of Chicago, and that was Jerry Reinsdorf. And this same person is supremely confident that this thing is going to get done. So I've got some concerns. You know, when I see some of this talk about the deal for that shitty-ass football team, falling apart in Arlington Heights and then possibly circling back to, you know, um, the South Loop and, and or the South Lot over there by where Soldiers Field currently is. It's it's a problem for me. And I think that if push comes to shove here, obviously, if it comes down to public money going to the Bears or the White Sox, 
I know where I think the money would go personally, but again, I've been told that don't bet against Jerry Reinsdorf in that situation. So we'll kind of see what happens here on this, but um, that's kind of where we're at though. He's asking for a lot of money and listen, I'm okay with it. I'm running on the platform of the Illinois taxpayer subsidizing the White Sox for my personal enjoyment. So thank you guys in advance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The NWI Steve. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your brilliant analysis on it. Guys, I like, I, you know, so just like there was on the great transportation debate uh, that, that came out when we were talking locations and renderings, um, when all of that was in the news cycle, um, we got another White Sox Twitter civil war on our hands. You guys seen out in the streets there. <laughs> We certainly do. And, and, you know, Steve and I were talking a little bit about this too. the, the Jerry world tax district, that this is an interesting uh, proposal here to, to start to recoup tax money from the development itself to fund this stadium. Uh, so Steve, your dollars can go in too. So that's, that's an important part as well. If you want, instead of having a, a nice tailgate with us over in lot B, you can go to a bar and your tax dollars on, on your beers can go and help pay for the stadium as well. So everybody gets a, a little uh, tax to go to Jerry and, and have that stadium paid for. So you know, he's found a way to get you too. That's not necessarily true. Depending on what happens from an infrastructure standpoint, if they, if they figure out the South loop train schedule there to where, if that becomes my most convenient options, look, I'll just start ripping fucking beers on the train on my way up there. Then, and, and I'll do it that way. Everybody knows I'm all about finding any way that I can to not give that motherfucker a penny more than I have. Will, to. will you refuse drinking in any of those bars pre and post if there is a Jerry Reinsdorf tax that is imposed on this district that helps fund the stadium? I'm very curious for you. I answer. think I think then in that scenario, what I probably have to do is I just. You know, I go to Buffalo Wings and Rings before the game, and then I find a way to get to the red line and then go from, uh, you know, 35th to, you know, the the South Loop exit and then take that back on, on after the game, go back to my car and drive home. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. A few years off on that, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to hold you to that. We'll, we'll go and revisit these comments and see um, if you hold true to that, so. Um, guys, uh, as we get closer, full squad, uh, like I said, coming in on Monday, my, I guess, biggest question here is because there's not, you know, we would talk fan temperature to take temperature of the room, right? I'd say very much apathetic. That, that is a vibe that I get there. Disappointment, um, a little bit of anger mixed in there when you go and see stuff like the Moustakis, uh, signing in the uh reaction to that right things like that you got name tags that they're throwing on these players here um what's actually intriguing here because i can think of a few storylines but i want to get your guys take on it we can go round table for me it's does eloy jimenez make it through camp healthy and swinging a hot bat that's one thing that i'm looking at in spring training because there was no value for this guy at least this offseason. And he was a name that coming out of last year, I think some people had it in, in their minds that he may or may not be traded. I know Milwaukee was a proposed destination. Um, it just didn't seem like there was a lot of interest in Eloy Jimenez, the baseball player at all. And, you know, it, we did talk about players playing for their, you know, their careers and their lives. I actually think he is one of those guys that's playing for some relevance here. Um, 
granted he's made really good money so far on his initial contract. He's got to, you know, be indebted to Rick Hahn for the rest of his life. Um, but where do you go from here? If you're Eloy Jimenez, this is a guy that, you know, Steve had predicted might be the first player in White Sox history to hit 50 home runs. Um, I have to bring that up continuously. We'll do that throughout the season. Um, but you know, are you going to get to the 35 mark? Are you going to get to the 40 mark? Are you going to actually be a, a DH and stay healthy, run hard, do all the things that you need to do to look like a baseball player this season? And as we know here, spring training is where the tone is set. And I'm really looking for Eloy Jimenez to set the tone in spring training because he needs to have a monster career year uh, in order to, to bring back either some of that value or just to prove to himself that he can fucking do it. Um so Eloy Jimenez is going to be under a microscope, at least for me in spring training. For me, there's there's really two things. Uh, they're both on the pitching side. Everyone knows I'm always going to focus more on the pitching side of things here. Um, do we get a conclusion to the Dylan Cease saga? You know, I think that's the biggest kind of cloud hovering over this team right now as they are in Glendale. And the other one for me, just kind of piggybacking off of some of my earlier points, is how is my guy Brian Bannister going to work with some of these reclamation projects that this team has brought in guys like Eric Fetty, guys like Mike Soroka, uh, Chris Flexen, you know, is he able to turn these guys around? Is he able to figure out what the one thing is that he needs to tweak with them to have them be functional pieces of a major league rotation, not saying a competitive major league rotation, but functional pieces of a major league rotation. And, you know, could he potentially unlock something for a guy that turns him into a viable piece should this team contend again in the near future? You know, everybody always likes to point to the example of, you know, Jake Arrieta when he got to Chicago after his time in Baltimore and, you know, got on his magic tail. And, and turned things around because I'm, I'm sure it was just the kale. <clears throat> it was nothing else. But can the likes of Brian Bannister and Ethan Katz, can they figure out something with, you know, Mike Soroka I think is probably the main one I'm looking at because he's had a modicum of success at the major league level here. So is he able to get him back on track to being an all-star caliber pitcher again? That's something that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on. All right, my most intriguing storyline uh, is also with the newcomer, but I'll shift to the position player group. And will Dominic Fletcher finally be the answer to the White Sox right field black hole um, that has been ongoing? We know this saga. We, we've tried out various different names in the Nomar Mazaras of the world. Everybody said Oscar Colas was uh, opening day RF last year. That crashed and burned. And I like Dominic Fletcher coming in because – it means I have to see less Oscar Colas. So I'm looking forward to that. But is he a legitimate answer here? I think, you know, very it's small sample size. Um, and he was split between the Diamondbacks and their AAA affiliate last year. But I like the at least numbers that I saw there in, in that small sample size. And it's basically, in my mind, um, I'm not going to pencil him in for sure but he is the leading candidate if we were going to write up depth charts um entering spring training so can he really be the answer that's kind of what i'm most looking forward to and then on the pitching side i know you mike soroka is one there as well but um eric fetty seems like he made some real mechanical uh changes and um changes to his pitch mix and usage right and really refining that that sweeper so to say right um 
that's mainly, I would say, what intrigues me about this White Sox team. I've got one additional storyline uh, that I'm looking at, and that's which Chicagoland pizza company brings in Dom Fletcher, Andrew Benintendi, and Nikki Lopez and uh, does a marketing deal with them that we get to watch. My money is on Aurelio's and Beggars. But uh, you know we've got we've got three Italian Americans on this on the squad now. Chicago's a big pizza place, Johnny. I want like you know the the home run jacket, maybe something like that. You know the the pizza company, <laughs> make it real Italian, make it good, and uh, that's a storyline I'm waiting to see. Uh, beggars, Aurelios, Rosati's, whoever out there, make it happen because I think that that's a great marketing idea and uh, needs to happen, Johnny. Steve's just very excited about that. I can see it in his eyes. You know, we've got too much Italian stuff going on here, you know, on this broadcast already. You know, we don't need any more. Forget about it. Forget about it. Is, is it Fugazi? I know what a Fugazi is. You think I know, you think you think I I know, know? what a Fugazi is? <laughs> All right. That brings you uh, – you're going to be getting a lot of that here on Socks on Tap this year, Tony. I, I'm agreed that I'm excited to see some of these Italians in, in action here. And who knows? Maybe some additional um, promo running alongside that. All right. Guys in tracksuits showing up to the ballpark. That's yeah, right. Know. The New Jersey Devils did it out for their uh, stadium series over in the NHL. So, yeah, never know. Um, Didn't look under- greasy at all doing it either. No, nope, not at all. No, nope. it was among the Italians. Real grease ball shit. So. As we wrap up here on Socks on Tap, we appreciate everybody joining us for the Season 6 premiere. We take a look at what's on tap next, uh, our usual segment to close out the show. Um, as I had mentioned previously, it, uh, the full squad, pitcher of the country is already there. Full squad's coming in Monday, and Cactus League, perfect time to set the tone, gets underway Friday. Um, a lot of games going on. Socks will be playing the Cubes in this one. Um, I know there's a lot of apathy, a lot of don't care around this team. Baseball, the, the little kid playing baseball still gets excited uh, for, you know, baseball finally being back. There's actionable things going on on the field. We're not talking about trade rumors and whatnot. And sure, that'll still probably be, you know, part of it. Uh, but it's not the only topic of discussion here because we have actionable items. And you guys know how much I love that. So I am excited, like you said, Jonathan, for the fact that <clears throat> Cactus League play begins this coming Friday here. That means I have an opportunity to get a first-hand look and see what adjustments has Mr. Clean made after that debacle from a year ago. How is he going to go out there and hashtag set the tone? If I've said it once, I've said it 27,000 times. How you play in the regular season is determined by how you set the tone during the Cactus League. I'm going to hold Pedro Grafol accountable for what I see out of this team in spring training. And it might upset people on the streets of Twitter.com or X, whatever you want to call it here. These games matter. You play to win the fucking games. Well said. Yeah. I was going to say, Steve, I don't know. You brought up Mr. Clean there, and we didn't talk too much about it. I'm sure we'll have more uh, in our coming episodes here as spring training rolls along, though. But I did see one little interesting tidbit um, at the end here, and I got to mention it that he declined now to do a big um, you know, speech in front of the whole group. And instead, he's been talking with individual smaller group in terms of like positions and whatnot. Um, I think we could have just run the tape from what you just said there about setting the tone and played that on video for the White Sox locker room. I feel like that would go over much better than whatever Mr. Clean would say. I mean, he would probably just say something like, ah, just flush it. You know, no, no, we're not just going to flush it. 
You hold people accountable, all right? These games matter. You play to win them, all right? I want a Cactus League banner, okay? I want that. When I go back to Camelback Ranch in the year of our Lord 2025, I want to see 2024 Cactus League championship banners up there. I want to rub it in the fucking Dodgers' faces, all right? And it starts this Friday, February 23rd, when you hashtag set the tone and you beat the cubes. Make it happen, Mr. Clean. Yeah, get hyped, Tony. Um, yeah, I it's still spring training. I still hate the Cubes, and we need to win that game. For most we, abs- we absolutely do. I want to see an L flag post from multiple accounts coming out there on on X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it. Um, I I hate them, and I want to see us beat them. But uh, you know, Steve, it, it's going to be really interesting for how much apathy is around here. If the Sox can have a hot spring training, um, what that'll do for yeah. for some anticipation coming into the season. Um, I'm not counting on it, but I mean, it, it would be a little bit uplifting, wouldn't it for you guys? If, if they are winning some, some ball games, uh, just to, you know, palate cleanse what we had last season. I know, uh, Pedro had said that, uh, last year's 101 losses rocked his world. Really curious to see what happens this year. Cause, uh, you know, it could be far worse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get ready to get rocked again, man. That's, that's that's what I would predict here. But uh, like you had said, Steve, following back up on a comment from earlier, I actually am interested. We're stuck with them. So we we got to, you know, you can't just not, I guess you'd tune out if you completely wanted to, but we're sickos. We're here for it. So I'm actually interested to see what kind of adjustments come uh, from the top in terms of Mr. Clean there. So, well, he is asking Tony for more help. So we've got that going. Right. Yeah. That, there was that. So I'm sure you guys covered that extensively and Steve was thrilled to do so uh, on the last episode. All right. Um, we appreciate everybody tuning in. This is season six, episode one of Socks on Tap. Now in the books, we'll be back at you with some more spring training news, notes, developments, uh, potentially a little more info on the Dylan Cease scenario. But um, go in the meantime, go over, follow us on the socials at ontapsports.net and at Socks on Tap. And as always, check out ontapsports.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. All right, boys. Good to be back on the mics with you. Baseball season, White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.